At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Living the dream once again on a spectacular Saturday. It is Fox Sports Saturday. Hartman and Carson with you coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 50 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Deb Carson is in the house today. Good How are day. you, Deb? I am fantastic, Steve Hartman. Almost happy football season to you. Well, it is. Well, no, it is football season. Now, I know some people would say their games really haven't begun, the real games. But, no, as far as I'm concerned, Hall of Fame weekend officially kicks off the NFL right. year. That's right. Uh, it's going to be fun to to watch the inductions tonight. I always love to watch those. Not always able to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to have the the longest speech? Obviously, Ray Lewis. Obviously, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> going for forty five. He's got. I got to break Brett Favre's record from last year. Right. Uh, we know Terrell Owens won't be there, so it'll be interesting to see how long his 
speech is at UT Chattanooga. All right, I, I want to get to, I, I'm glad we, there's two different subjects here. Obviously, when we talk about the T.O. situation, that's a whole different subject matter. Right. Um, but T.O. did say one thing uh, about the Hall of Fame process. And you know me, Deb, I'm consumed with Hall of Fame. Yes. This is what I do. I'm consumed every single year. Who's going to get in? And once they get in, like their whole lives and everything else, I'm consumed by all Hall of Fame, right. which is not healthy, but it's just the way I operate. But T.O. said something yesterday because everyone was hammering again about, you know, the fact he's not going to be there. And he said, look, this has nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't voted on the first or second ballot. I am trying to make a point here because the system to select a Hall of Famer is broken. And by the way, Alex Marvez, who's on the committee, uh, is going to be joining us coming up here at the bottom of the hour um, because I want to address this with him. But this is one thing I've said about all Hall of Fames. This idea of being a third ballot, fifth ballot, or in the case of Jerry Kramer waiting until his 45th year <laughs> of eligibility yes. is wrong because the way Hall of Fames should operate, since there is a five-year waiting period from when they retire until you actually vote and nothing's changing on their careers over the five years, if you're one of these writers or Hall of Fame selection committee guys, you've had five years to evaluate whether or not this person is worthy of the Hall of Fame. In my book, there wouldn't be no second or third ballot. You got one shot. And, and I'll play it this way. If you don't get on the first shot, if, if, if you're on the bubble, then you're not a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famers should be no-brainers. None of this bubble crap. You know how the bubble crap started? By putting people that were on the bubble in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. So then you start expanding the bubble because, well, you put this guy in, then you got to put this guy in. This should be first ballot, all first ballots. And the problem for the Hall of Fames is, well, that wouldn't work for us because some years you might not get anybody. Maybe one year you get five guys in. Okay, and... That's not a problem, though. If they're Hall of Famers, they're Hall of Famers. Right. Like you said, if like, I have to think about it, if you say a name and you're like, mm, see, like you say Tom Brady, okay, Hall of Fame. You know, when I hear like, uh, you know, ESPN did a bogus poll again talking about Hall of Famers, they had five people, three of which didn't even have a vote, and they said anyone that got three out of five votes is in. I'm like, no, because you need 80%, not 60% of the vote again. It should have been four or more votes. Yeah. So you got a guy like Philip Rivers, right? And it's Philip Rivers. He got three votes. He's in. I'm like, wait a second. Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. Do they do they look like the same careers to you? No. Philip Rivers should be in the Chargers Hall of Fame, but not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, again, you have Joe Montana. You have Johnny Unitas. <laughs> you've got fan, uh, not best. even the Charger Fan Hall of Fame. Uh, you you've got. I mean, again, Hall of Fame should be for the elite elite. Okay. Period. Now, you've. I don't think you've ever met my husband, Chris. Okay. He grew up in the entertainment industry. Yes. He is not impressed by celebrity. I mean, he's certainly right. a fan of some people. Um, his dad directed, you know, the Merv Griffin show, the Tonight Show, the, all these shows, not impressed with that many people. So this week, I've got the NFL Network in the background. It's like, why do they keep showing Jerry Kramer? And I said, well, because he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. The outrage and the exasperation of my husband, who's like, 
Jerry Kramer's not in the Hall of Fame. Yes. He, he should have been in the Hall of Fame 35 years ago. He right. Was, he was a star. He was part of, you know, Lombardi's crew. Well, he was, he was voted the greatest guard of the fifty years, first 50 years of the yeah. NFL. He was the only one not on the NFL's 50-year yeah. roster, not in the Hall of Fame. Right. And he said, I read a great article about him, by the way, and I can't, I apologize to whoever wrote it, but talking about, you know, he mentioned, he said, I can't tell you how many times I go to ceremonies or ribbon cuttings and i'm introduced as pro football hall of famer jerry kramer he said I've, i just don't even correct them anymore and he said i used to not get mad about it but as the years went on and more people sh- started telling me about how i should be in the hall of fame he said yeah i'm ticked off about it yes i should have been in a long time ago so congratulations to a man who should have been a first ballot hall of fame well and, and that's part of the whole to problem see to keeps talking about the fact that he wants to set an example uh, for those that have been slighted in the past and those that will be slighted in the future, which is fine. Yes. But I don't think that's the reason why T.O. is not there. It's it's clear to me, and I have you seen the NFL Network uh, football life of, of Terrell Owens? I don't know if I've seen that one, but I know a lot about his history. Well, it, in this football life, they pretty much eviscerate him. Hmm. Uh, the NFL Network. I mean, the way they make it out with all the talent he has, that he is an absolute nightmare for every team he was on. Well, In fact, true. they reached out to the four main quarterbacks of his career, which were Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, and Tony Romo. The only one agreed to do an interview was Steve Young. He wow. was the only one. And when Steve Young was told he was the only one that agreed, his look was, I thought I had to do this because I work for ESPN. Wow. Um no one had anything nice to say about T.O., and then when they were interviewing T.O. for the piece, he again would reiterate over and over again if it was about me, which brings us to why he is not in Canton, Ohio today with the rest of the Hall of Famers, because you will have Ray Lewis and all those Raven fans. You will have Brian Erlacher and all those Bear fans. You will have Jerry Kramer and those diehard Packer fans. You'll also have one of his contemporaries, Randy Moss, who did get in on the first ballot. The question for... T.O., because he did not make this decision immediately after being elected to the Hall of Fame. He waited before he made this announcement yeah. he was going elsewhere. I don't even know if T.O. found anybody to present him. And the fact that he would be so overshadowed, like who would show up for Terrell Owens? Who? Cowboy fans? 49er fans? Eagle fans? Definitely not Eagle fans. Probably some Cowboy fans. You think? Probably some 49er fans. By the way, did you hear he told the story about how he got uh, cut loose by the Cowboys? He said he had dinner with Jerry Jones, Mm -hmm. okay? So Jerry asked him out to dinner. So he'd been there three years, right? Jerry, as they're sitting at a table, and Jerry draws a line on the table, right down the middle. And he goes, this is you, T.O., on this one side, and then on the other side, I've got Romo, I got Witten, I got everybody else. This is a house divided. I'm going to have to let you go. That's how he told him. So I don't think there's any love loss with the Cowboys. No, I'm just saying some fans. But uh, but no, that that was never an issue, by the way. It was always about Terrell when he played for Dallas. When, when your quarterback and your tight end are in such sync that you're able to move the ball down the field and score... You should be content. I'm sorry, Mr. Wide Receiver. You're going to get the ball occasionally. But if they're able to do that successfully, you need to be a team player and be okay with that. And just at the end of the year, collect your play, your playoff paycheck and maybe your Super Bowl paycheck. When you start saying, what about me, what about me, what about me, when the well-oiled machine is working, then it is time to cut you loose. And here's the thing. 
Terrell is not the guy to make this argument. I mean, if somebody like even Ray Lewis, somebody uh, who was respected for being a teammate, is one who made this argument about how the voting takes place and everything, uh, it would be one thing. But Terrell is essentially the Madonna of the NFL. It's like he spent so much time trying to get attention, 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 and then it just turned out to be, okay, well, it's all about you. Now he's trying to get attention, but nobody cares anymore. Well, I understand that, but he was not going to get embarrassed in front of all those other Hall of Famers to be the least recognized of all the Hall of Famers. He, he his his spotlight would be zero. No, I don't think so. No, he really. What it, fans would show up for him? Okay, but they would politely applaud. Still, well, he doesn't want that. He wants to be in the spotlight. You I know understand. that, Deb. He wants to be the main guy but on any stage he's exactly. on. Exactly, and this was his chance. To show I can be humble. I can be a grown-up. The last couple of years has been incredibly humbling for him. So it would have been amazing to see that guy show up in Canton, be gracious, be thankful, talk about his late grandmother. That's never going to happen. I understand that. But this was his opportunity to have substance and be likable. And unfortunately, uh, he made a choice. And I'm not saying it's the right choice or the wrong choice. I personally think it's the wrong choice. Uh, but he's doing what he thinks is best for him in the T.O. way that he's always done things. All right. Uh, I talked to a uh, Hall of Famer, an existing Hall of Famer, about moving forward for T.O. How is he going to be received by the existing Hall of Fame class? I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. There yes. is a bus there. He's got his gold jacket. But can he actually come back to Canton in the future and be embraced by some of his Hall of Fame teammates, so to speak? Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios Plus More controversy swirling around another Hall of Famer this year coming up next. Get your popcorn ready. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Hall of Fame Day out in Canton, Ohio today. The class of 2018 will all be there except for Terrell Owens. By the way, there is still time for you to be part of T.O.'s celebration at UT Chattanooga because he will be giving his speech there, but at the same time, uh, he's going to have an after party. And at this after party, yes, um, you can uh, celebrate with T.O., VIP after party. They're going to have a DJ there. They're going to have food drinks. They're going to have bowling, bowling at his after party there in Chattanooga. But there's one little caveat. You got to pay $40 to get in. So they're charging at the door uh, for people that want to come to uh, T.O.'s VIP after party for his Hall of Fame induction uh, celebration today. I'm wondering, Steve, would it happen to list any of the VIPs that are going to be attending? It doesn't. It's open to anybody. You want to be. You want to go to his VIP party? Well, he'll be there. So he'll it's basically there. a meet and greet with Terrell, and you can well, bowl if you. We like. don't even know if he'll actually be there. We don't know if he'll be there, but it's called a VIP party, and it's forty bucks ahead. Here's my advice: Yeah, go to the free ceremony where he's going to speak, and right. then go home and watch uh, the other stuff that's going on in Canton. <laughs> if, if you're inclined to do so, it is. Uh, it's not. Go I, bowling for ten bucks at your own whatever other bowling alley is in Chattanooga. I uh, spoke to my dear friend Mike Haynes, the uh, legendary cornerback, seven years with the Patriots, seven years with the Raiders. Uh, I, Mike was there with the Raiders when I worked for the Silver and Black. Uh, great guy, and he's been in the Hall of Fame since 1997. I, I had him on my show this week asking him about a future reception amongst Hall of Famers for T.O. I mean, T.O., is he never going to go to Canton? As you know, there's a, over 130. 
30 returning Hall of Famers, an all-time record coming back to Canton this year for the ceremonies. And Mike said that he reached out to T.O. when he heard that he didn't want to be in Canton. And he said, look, I'm disappointed by your decision, but I, I want you to know that when you do decide to Canton, come to Canton in the future, you know, you may not think it's a big deal now, but, you know, down the road you might say, wow, you know, this was something I want to do. He he made it clear that he is willing to accept him. But Mike also told me that there is an equally large group of Hall of Famers that say never, ever, ever, ever will we ever allow this guy in. And, and you have to understand how this dynamic works at the Hall of Fame. I, in 2003, I went to Marcus Allen's Hall of Fame induction ceremony the night before, which was last night. They have a big ceremony in a downtown arena in Canton where the Hall of Famers are given their gold jackets. And all the Hall of Famers sort of like a line. And you're sort of welcomed into the fraternity. It's like a fraternity right. ritual, like, right? Like the Heisman thing you see on television. Right. You're, and so you're all sort of there and they congratulate and mm-hmm. everything else. Those that are in the Hall of Fame take this seriously about, you know, again, it's like a fraternity. There's certain rituals that are part of welcoming you into the fraternity and everything else. And the fact that he has bypassed that for a lot of these Hall of Famers is reason to never welcome into the club. Well, because most of them had to wait a heck of a lot longer than two years to get in, too. Again, Terrell may think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I don't personally know that he is. He, I, he he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But the fact that he would basically put himself above some of the others that did not get in until their third, fourth, fifth year, uh, that that is a snub. That is rude. I can absolutely see if you're a Hall of Famer saying, no, he doesn't need to come here. You mean you didn't hear Jerry Kramer saying, what took right, 45 exactly. years? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, exactly. That's- I mean, I have interviewed Jerry Kramer covering Super Bowls years and years and uh, 20 times at least talking about Jerry. When are we going to get you in the Hall of Fame? This is absolutely ridiculous. And all he was all smiles. I mean, he didn't complain. He didn't say the wait was too long. He was just happy that finally he had that day, as he's 82 years old now, to celebrate this with his family in Canton, Ohio. Well, thank goodness he got in because, I mean, my pet peeve is when people are forced to wait, 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 they die, and then finally they get in. Like Ken Stabler yes. after he died. Hideous. Yeah. Exactly. Ridiculous. So uh, it's going to be a, an interesting day. Now, the controversy swirling, Deb, about one of the Hall of Famers this year, a guy that we're all predicting will have the longest speech, and that's Ray Lewis. It's still being brought up by some saying, well, let's see, he got one double murder in the Hall of Fame. His bust is still on full display in O.J. Simpson. Now we'll have two in Ray Lewis. Right. They still don't buy his story on what happened in Atlanta in that Super Bowl week where two men were dead and and they said, well, I guess it's no big deal, the Hall of Fame. Why doesn't anyone ask Ray Lewis again uh, to uh, sort of rehash that story on what his involvement was in the murder of two men uh, that weekend in Atlanta? Well, because the media is all about faux outrage, Steve. And whatever the current <laughs> outrage is, is far more outrageous than anything that might have happened in the past. Especially when somebody who likely perpetrated an alleged uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> involvement. Am I tiptoeing well enough? Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, why, why is the tiptoeing? I, do you believe Ray Lewis was involved or not? I mean, he had oh, his he own was there. story. Of course he was. But he testified, and obviously he, he skated from it. And I still remember covering the Super Bowl the following year uh, when the Ravens were in the Super Bowl against the New York Giants, 
And Ray wasn't talking to anybody because that's all people wanted to ask. I remember his teammate at the time, Shannon Sharp, would stand behind him in the press gatherings for Super Bowl week, answering any questions that were being fired at Ray Lewis. And yet that's all gone. No mention of this as we count down to his big day in Canton, Ohio. Right. And again, the gray area, I said, of course he was. I certainly absolutely have no way of knowing what his true involvement was. He was there, though. He was he was involved in the situation. So do people still have a right to ask him about that? Absolutely. See, my feeling is... But, far, but does that have anything to do with his football playing career? Thank is my, you. My that question. is exactly o- where OJ, I was going to. I firmly believe O.J. Simpson killed Nicole yes. and Ron. Right. He was also a brilliant, fabulous football player. Best running back of his generation. Exactly. I can separate the two. Yes. You obviously can separate yes. the two. But there's a whole generation that never saw O.J. Simpson play. They only know him for what they've known over the last 20 years. Reggie Bush was a Heisman winner. And again, that's not criminal, the, the involvement that his family had. But he still is a Heisman winner, in my mind. He had to give the trophy back, but he's a Heisman winner. Uh, and by the way, speaking along those lines, I've asked many Heisman winners about the status of Reggie Bush. I said this. I think it was Barry Sanders. I said, Barry, if you were at the Heisman house, you know, the commercial. Yes. Yeah. And, and Reggie Bush knocked at the door. Would you slam the door in his face or let him in? And he goes, I can speak for all winners. He's always going to be one of us. Yes. Always. Right. Whether they wanted to recognize him or not. Reggie Bush won the Heisman Trophy, and he is part of the Heisman fraternity. So uh, as far as the Ray Lewis situation, obviously this is going to be one of the things that will not be addressed out there. Uh, I I just I get frustrated. I'm looking forward to talking to Alex Marvez because we will be talking to somebody that actually has a vote on this committee. I like the way the Pro Football Hall of Fame, though, at least has the voters all in the same room. As opposed to baseball, where they have way too many people voting and they just mail in their ballots. There's no real discussion one way or the other. At least with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's a smaller group and they're all in the same room. Now, some people might say, yeah, but that gives an unfair advantage to certain players who may have a media representative presenting their case who's better than somebody else. But that already happens. I mean, that happens with... with you know, that already happens. I mean, there might be somebody who has a better speaker, but again, and a, a better cheerleader, if you will, but their record is still their record. Their numbers are still their numbers, though. Right, but here, here's, so, here's so the you point. Sh- if, you, if you have the privilege of being a voter for the Hall of Fame, you need to be grown up and mature enough to understand what's being salesmanship and what's what the real numbers are, what's black and white. But the fact that there has to be a long discussion for certain guys, to me, again, puts out the red flag that maybe they're not right. really deserving of being immortalized no. in Canton, Ohio. They're a hall of great. They're not I mean, a they hall said, of you know, two years ago, Brett Favre, there was no discussion. They just had his name and moved on. Right. That's because he's a no-brainer. That's, there's no thought process. Right. Ray Lewis is a no-brainer. I mean, 13 Pro Bowls, two-time player. Of the, I mean, come on. There are certain guys you're like, all right, he is in. But I like what you have to say, Deb, because this is the difference between – All the Hall of Fames and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Where the Baseball Hall of Fame, these holier-than-thou baseball writers, and remember, it's not the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's the Baseball Writers Hall of Fame, that they somehow... It's a museum, by the way. Yeah, they're going to make these judgments on everybody, on character. Like, these people are worthy of judging somebody else's character? Mm -hmm. Really? Um, And they don't do that in football. I remember when Lawrence Taylor was up for the Hall of Fame. And he had just gotten busted for something right before. And before the committee deliberated, they were a representative of the Hall of Fame walked in and told everyone in the room, look, 
you will judge the candidates solely on their football careers. Bingo. Period. And LT got on the first ballot. There was never a question. He's a Hall of Famer. He was one of the greatest ever. Yes, exactly. Ever. But not baseball. Ah, no, no, no. We're going to judge everybody. We're going to we're gonna be a judge on their character and who did this and who did that. And who wouldn't talk to me? And who would talk to me? Yeah. I hate that, by the way. Oh, it just, it, it is absurd. It's ridiculous. The fact that when you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame that no one's been unanimous, that nine people sat down with Hank Aaron and said, <laughs> you know, Hank Aaron, not good enough. Really? Who voted against him? They never. They didn't reveal the votes. They back need in. to. That's, yeah. I get. I guarantee you, that needs to happen. I think it happens now. With no Facebook, one has ever it? been unanimous ever, <sighs> ever. Crazy. Eleven people in the first election said Babe Ruth Hall of Fame. I don't think so. How? How is Babe Ruth? How <laughs> yeah. is Hank Aaron? How are those two? Yeah. Twenty-three people said Willie Mays. I don't. I don't think how he did he enough. How is he not unanimous? How is that not a Hall of Fame? This is why the Baseball Hall of Fame is by far the most bogus of all the Hall of Fames. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios now. There's nothing bogus about this man. Oh no, no. David Gascon has got a clear thought process when it comes to who are the elite. Would you agree with me, David? Though there's just way too many people. In these halls of fame. Yeah, it sucks. It's watered down. Way it, watered down. It is unfortunately watered down. And uh, but yeah, you got a lot of you got a lot of ticked off members of the media that have these have this rage, this this rage that they were stiffed by somebody, <laughs> and now of course now they get him back in the Hall of Fame balloting. Well, so. the most famous baseball story was Ted Williams, nineteen forty seven. He wins the triple crown. And one of the baaseball writers in Boston didn't even put him uh, 10th on his MVP ballot, <laughs> and he ended up losing the MVP by one vote to Joe DiMaggio. If the guy had even picked him 10th, he would have won the award, but he left him completely off the ballot because he didn't like him. Ah, so th- there goes your credibility. Yeah. Wow. It's the world we live in, though, yes. right? Anyways, uh, got lots of action today in Major League Baseball. In fact, there's one game that's going on right now. It's the in the nation's capital. Reds on top of the Nationals. One nothing. That's his game one of a doubleheader. Then later on tonight, they'll also play again at 4.05 Pacific, 7.05 Eastern. Get another rematch of the World Series from last year. Dodgers and Astros from Chavez Ravine. First pitches at 9.10 tonight. It was a good game last night. Justin Verlander had 14 strikeouts in seven and two-thirds innings for the Astros in that victory. Meanwhile, off the diamond, San Francisco Giants catcher Buster Posey's not going to play today against Arizona. He was struck in the head yesterday with a foul tip. St. Louis Cardinals have activated Colton Wong up the 10 day DL. They have placed Dexter Fowl in the DL. He's got a fractured left foot. San Diego Padres have placed outfielder Will Myers in the DL, and they've recalled Fran Mel Reyes from AAA. NBA news real quick. Miami Herald reporting that Hassan Whiteside, Deion Waiters, and Tyler Johnson are all available in trade talks. Some college football news or college athletic news. Clemson has agreed on a 10-year extension with Nike worth a whopping $58 million. And then a couple notes in the NFL. Tennessee Titans have signed Kenny Vaccaro. Cincinnati Bengals have picked up cornerback C.J. Goodwin today. He's been on four different teams since the start of December of 2017. Which means a lot of people want him. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a wanted commodity. It's either you, you're looking at it you know, half full or half empty. All these teams are dumping him, but other teams want him. Oh, yeah, he's, so, but- he's, a, he's a warm body. <laughs> feel like me sometimes. <laughs> David, thanks so much. Hey, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Mention the Hall of Fame ceremony today and why is T.O. not there. Apparently, it's because of this man. 
Joining us right now, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Follow him on Twitter, at Alex Marvez. Alex Marvez is joining us right now. So, uh, T.O. basically called out the Hall of Fame committee, Alex, of which you're a member, saying that the system is broken, you guys don't know what you're doing, and that he is laying down the groundwork, sort of taking the bullet for all those that have been snubbed in the past and those that will be snubbed in the future. Do you salute T.O. and his decision to finally take a stand of the corrupt Hall of Fame committee of which you are a member? <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, he's costing me my job. You know what I mean? What am I supposed to say here? And interestingly enough, I have yet to hear anyone else really rally to Tio's defense over this, if you understand what I'm saying. Yes. I haven't, don't know if there's going to be a collection of the Hall of Very Good that is assembled with Tio, those guys who unfortunately have not been able to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, we've had people complain about the way that the voting is done. You know, Lynn, St- Lynn Swan uh, gave a, a memorable speech, uh, you know, talking about he believed that John Stallworth was Pro Football Hall of Fame worthy when, when he was elected. Uh, you know, you had Harry Carson, who made his uh, feelings very clear about yep. you know being snubbed by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But you don't hear these guys saying that what T.O. is doing is all that great. And, and listen, from, from talking to the Hall of Famers here, you know, it's so important for them to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. And, and they have what's called the Nitschke Lunch, and all the Hall of Famers get together. And, and you know, they, they commiserate among themselves. There's no outside members allowed in there. It's just Hall of Famers. And, and there's such a pride to this and coming back to Canton and being part of a family, being a group of the greatest players that that have ever been in the NFL. And for T.O. to think that he's going to upset the apple cart and and institute this tremendous change, trust me, the the Hall of Fame is doing just fine without Sarah Owens in their ranks this past week. In fact, I think it's really record numbers, record sales, record everything that I've seen so far here in Canton. Uh, Alex, now I don't know how many years you've been uh, a a voting member. I don't know your history with that. But as far as Jerry Kramer, just indulge us a little bit. Have you ever heard an argument by anybody in the room as to why Jerry Kramer should not have already been a Hall of Famer? What, what yeah, was the, actually, what was the I've, I've heard I've heard multiple ones, Deb, and I think I voted, and I think it's nine classes, nine or ten. I can't, I honestly, because I, I skip a year or two here and there sometimes, so I, I haven't really kept track that closely, but here was the argument with Jerry Kramer. First, it's, you know, there was an argument that he wasn't even maybe the best guy on the Packers who should have been nominated you know, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as goofy as that sounds, but Bart Starr, when asked who, who from, the pro, you know, from the, those great Packers teams should be in that isn't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he named another offensive lineman. He didn't name Jerry Kramer. That hurt him. The other argument is there's zillions of Green Bay Packers. There are, I believe, at least 12 Lombardi Packers, I think it is, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it, it's just an exorbitant amount of Green Bay Packers. And, yeah, these are great players, but... Is everyone on that team a pro football Hall of Famer because they had team success? It's one of those unfortunate things that works against players like an L.C. Greenwood from the Steelers, a Bob Kuchenberg from the Miami Dolphins. You know, they were part of really great teams, and yet they didn't make the cut. Others did when it came to the Pro Football Hall of Fame for so long. I think, though, that, that after Jerry, you know, getting as close as he did for as long as he did, you know, that really helped him. I, I mean, the fact this was his 11th time in front of this committee, and Listen, the, the seniors committee, it is easier to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is, in my opinion, than it is as a modern era candidate. For, one, for a seniors candidate or a contributor, you just vote yes or no, that's it. But when you're one of the modern era candidates, you're part of a group of 15 players or, or coaches or you know things like that that then goes down to 10 and then gets down to the final five. And Jerry just kept getting left at the altar. Finally, he's getting hitched. And, and listen, you talk about a guy who had every reason to be angry at the yeah. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jerry Kramer was it. He's not. He's here. 
Well, can you give us an example, for instance, you know, guys being penalized for being part of a great team? Like who, for instance, of the 90s, you know, Niners or Cowboys, who who are we going to be looking at 30 or 40 years from now going, they should have been in decades ago? Is there well, Darren else? Wood, Darren, I think Darren Woodson yeah. would be a, a strong argument for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, there's no Cowboy defensive players represented outside of. I think well, Charles Haley and Deion Sanders, but when I, you know a guy who was there for the whole thing, you right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, a Darren Woodson would be considered that. How about type Roger of Craig with the Forty ers We could say him. I was going to mention another Forty er that's been lost to history. Ricky Waters was pretty yep. darn good in wow. the NFL, huh? Uh, you know, and, and you talk about that 49ers team, but Roger Craig is someone. Listen, does a fullback have a legitimate chance? You know, Tom Rathman was considered maybe the greatest fullback of his generation. Does he have a shot at getting in? Look, Cliff Harris, we've talked about him for a long time, the Dallas Cowboys safety and all-decade player he's not in. Leroy Butler, another example of a guy who was an all-decade safety and one of the game's greats, he's not in. Ultimately, these guys may have a shot at getting in, but... But right now, they're sitting and waiting because I'll tell you this, too. When people talk about the hall, look, it's not like these people, when you vote people in, we're not getting complaints that, oh, this guy doesn't belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now it's just the timing of it, right? Like, we're not arguing that these guys shouldn't be in the hall. Like, no one's saying, oh, we'll take this guy out. You know, Brian Urlacher's not a Hall of Famer. No, they're good. It's just each year, too, a couple new names pop up, and they take up slots, and then at least people sitting in the room, and then before you know it, some of their candidacy is done, like a Joe Jacoby, for example, another example of a great player on a great team, on a great offensive line, who is on the cusp of the Hall of Fame but still isn't in. Well, and ESPN did this uh, bogus uh, five-person voting uh, for bubble guys, and uh, they said three out of five, you're in. I'm like, uh, excuse me, it's 80% of the Hall, not 60%. So, honestly, it should have been only four out of five. But my problem with the Hall of Fame is if you're a bubble guy, you're not in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame should be reserved for those that are actually Hall of Famers, not bubble guys that you might say, well, this guy got in, so we'll put this guy in. That, to me, is watering down the Hall of Fame. I understand you want to get a nice class every year, a nice tidy group of seven or eight people to all make speech and everything else. Look, I've told you this before, Alex. If I were to do a do-over on any Hall of Fame, one and done. You've got five years to evaluate their careers. If after five years you're still on the bubble, whether they're a Hall of Famer, I got news for you. They're not a Hall of Famer. You know, it's interesting you talk about a redo. And and listen, I think if, if you were to look back at certain things, you know, would some of those members of the 72 Dolphins be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Was Bob Greasy really a Hall of Fame quarterback? I mean, right. I think he won a Super Bowl passing eight times. Was Jim Langer truly a Hall of Fame center for the Miami Dolphins? I mean, there's been some debate about, you know, his importance to that, that Dolphins team and, and just how great a player he was. I agree. And remember, too, that a lot of the, the stuff with the, that they're trying to do now, as far as senior candidates, is try to make up for things in the past where voters may have had, I quite honestly, may have been ignorant towards some players because we didn't have direct TV. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have certain things at that time where, you know, you were able to watch every team. I mean, if you were on a bad team, how many people do you think, you think watch Jim Hart of the Arizona Cardinals? Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's a very tricky thing. It's like how many when the Cardinals were playing because they were, because they were bad. There are others that are the same exact way. You know, Seattle Seahawks players, they, they were a bad team for a long time. How many people really saw them? How many people saw Leroy Stellman and players like that on the Buccaneers? So it's just a different deal that, that it's really gotten a little bit crazy because of, of technology now. You're able to see everybody. You're able to look back. 
that's why they started the seniors committee to try to get in some guys who probably would have been in had they gotten the right, you know, the right presentation, et cetera. But I understand where you're coming from, Steve, too. After a while, you're hanging around. It's like maybe you're just not that good. Yeah. You shouldn't be in the Pro yeah. Football Hall of Fame. I mean, if you're always on the bubble, guess what? The bubble bursts. You're not in. All right, last question. And you mentioned the Nitsky Lunch Gun where all the Hall of Famers get together. I was talking to our buddy uh, Mike Haynes uh, this week. Two things I always talk about for the incoming class. One, who's going to have the longest speech? And two, who's going to cry first? So I want your predictions today in Canton. Is Ray Lewis like the overwhelming favorite to have the longest speech today? And who's going to be the first to break down and show some tears? Your predictions. Uh, Ray, Ray Lewis will have the longest speech. And then, uh, you know, I think I think Randy Moss will be will be pretty broken down. Jerry Kramer, I mean, you're 78 years old. And, you know, it was through the work of his daughter that he's here. You know, his family refused to let his Hall of Fame candidacy die. They wrote letters letters on a regular basis to people about, you know, why Jerry Kramer belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They kept stating his case. And, you know, it was, again, I think that's, that's one guy that I think you'll see emotion from. Bobby Beathard has early onset dementia. This has become public. He's not going to say anything publicly, uh, but he'll have a video presentation. So I don't think you'll see anything, uh, you know, from him in that regard. But I expect some tears from Randy Moss. He's been very emotional, very humbled by this entire experience, by the way, uh, uh, Steve and Dad. It's been interesting for randy to be in this group of folks and i think he's loved every second of it because i think he really feels like these guys are not only maybe his peers but maybe his superiors in some way uh, you know some of them and what they accomplished in their careers all right alex have a great time in canton man we'll talk to you next week sounds fantastic thanks again Take all right care. that's uh, alex marvez sirius xm nfl radio follow him on twitter at alex marvez all right now deb carson is a big cowboy fan huge lifelong and she has a bold prediction already <laughs> about what's going to happen to the Dallas Cowboys in 2018, just one week in a training camp. And she's got it all figured out. Coming up next. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson with you on this Saturday. Great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. On car insurance. Well, yes, the football season is underway, and the real games will begin shortly. The preseason, obviously, is a joke. It always has been a joke, and it's difficult because it really is unnecessary. Remind me again, Deb, how many preseason games uh, do they have in college football? Zero. Zero. Uh, by the way, think about this for a they, second. They have a spring game where they play each other and make gazillions right. of dollars and 90,000 people show up, but no preseason yeah, games. Yeah, think about this for college football. <laughs> All right, these are a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds, right? They have just begun their fall practice for their first game, which will be in a month, less than a month for some schools. And you got all these new faces in there, and somehow in a month, they got to be ready for that first big opening game. And these are amateurs. These are not right. professionals who've been drafted right. or you mm-hmm. know, signed on as free agents that are getting paid. Well, theoretically, not getting paid. Yeah. So the idea of preseason football years and years and years and years and years ago was to actually get in shape because in those days, football players had off-season jobs. They didn't make enough money no. during the football season to carry them through the year. So they would make money during the football season, and then as soon as the season is over, they get back to their regular lives and Farming, have their normal teaching. jobs. Yes. And all of a sudden, man, we got to get ready for the football season. So the, the whole preseason is a rip-off. Shame on the NFL for ripping fans off full price for all these preseason games. You know, I've said time and time again, if we – If we could expand to an 18-game schedule, it would make a hell of a lot of sense 
and it would actually work for the players. Players have been fighting this 18-game schedule, but bear with me. Right now, you have a 16-game schedule over 17 weeks. You get a bye week. If you were to have an 18-game schedule over a 20-week span with two bye weeks, how would that look for the players? You're bringing in more revenue, obviously. The networks would love that. That's what they're demanding. They want more games that actually count. You would get two breaks during the season, and here's the beauty of this whole thing. The season's not getting any longer. And instead of two preseason games, forget those preseason games. Organized scrimmages. That's what all these teams really like to yeah. do. Cowboys work out against teams. Because this is where, you know, a, a team works with another team said, all right, we're working on this. We want to work on this specifically. And the other team says, great, you know, we want to work on this specifically. That way, you know, they're actually getting things done that they want to do. And you say, well, what about the guys that are trying to earn their way on the team? Let me tell you this. The percentage of players that earn their way onto an NFL roster based on a preseason game is point zero 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 one percent They earn their way onto a practice squad, which they would already be signed to with no chance of being injured during a game right? if there was no preseason game. When you look at a 53-man roster in the NFL, realistically, for the average team, there are maybe three to five spots that are actually up for bit for a spot. Three to five. That's it. So it's not like, well, we're comp- there's 90 guys and we're competing for it. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Your top draft picks obviously are going to be there. You, the comeback guys, you may have three to five spots, and that's determined in practice, not on some cockamamie preseason game. But that aside. We're talking about practice. Thank you very much. Here's the thing. Deb Carson, though, has seen enough already. <laughs> from her Dallas Cowboys to make a bold prediction of the upcoming season. Now, over the last two years, they've won a lot of games with yeah. Dak Prescott at quarterback. Right. Ezekiel Elliott missed six games last year, not helping the cause. So are we going to see the Cowboys where they were two years ago? Are we going to see them where they were a year ago, still winning nine games despite the fact that Ezekiel Elliott was out? What is your bold prediction for the Cowboys in 2018? Um, I was going to go eight and eight. I'll go nine and seven with you there. <laughs> eight and eight. Yeah. What happened to Dak Prescott? I love Dak Prescott. I here's the thing: as a scarred for life Cowboys fan who is sometimes <laughs> pleasantly surprised, I know enough not to take. And by the way, there has not been a preseason game for them yet. Fortunately, no major injuries, so that's a that's a good thing. Sean Lee appears to be okay uh, at the moment, um, but. People get so overreactive to preseason. It's ridiculous. The bottom line is they're essentially the same team as last year. They don't have Jason Witten. They don't have Des Bryant. Do I think somebody's going to step up? Absolutely. I think they're going to be a great team. The problem is there are other teams in the division. They, they're, they're, uh, they've got the defending Super Bowl champions in their division. Now, you realize no team has won back-to-back NFC East titles since the Eagles in 03 and 04. Think right. about that. It's been uh, 14 years since the team won back-to-back NFC East right. titles. But the Giants got better? Oh, the Giants. Come on. They did. They they got, they're better than, are you kidding? Eli they're, Manning no. is old. Yes, he is, but they're better than they were last year. I'm not saying, they're going to finish. With Saquon Barkley? Yes. Are you kidding me? A running back's going to make a difference a on that giant A running back team? is going to, absolutely he is, because he's going to, he at least provides a decoy for other things that might potentially be playing out on the field. And Odell Beckham Jr. wants that big contract, which they're now in talks. They're, they're going to be. And the Redskins are better with Alex Smith? 
The Redskins are about the same, I would say. About the same. They at least have their quote-unquote face of the franchise. I don't know that it's the right one. But, so you're but saying we'll the Eagles are going to win the division second straight year? Uh, I'm saying they might. They might. I, I'm just saying I know well enough. <laughs> I, I, I'm smart enough not to buy into anything that happens in preseason. I would love for the Cowboys to go 13-3 and but not lose in their first game of the playoffs this year like they did two years ago. All right, I'm making two bold predictions. I'm going to predict that the Cowboys are going to win more than eight games this year. I hope so. And your Baylor Bears are going to win more than one game, <laughs> yes. which they won last year. I'll right? guarantee it. So it's going to be a better year for you yes, than it, it was will. last year. <laughs> Go 2018. Woo! Wow. Something to look forward to. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Woo! Radio Studios. Is LeBron James suddenly not so focused on his future for the Rolling on a Saturday, it is Hartman and Carson with you. Coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're going to get to a bit of an update on that Urban Meyer situation a little bit later on in this hour. But i got to get to a, a more breaking story right now, Deb. And that is the war of words between LeBron James and the President of the United States Donald Trump. You are fake news. So, you know, one thing, whether you're a fan of the president or not a fan of the president, you have to admire a certain level of consistency in the sense that he's always baiting people. He he, he loves to bait. He wants, he wants people to react to him. Yes. Which is why Twitter is such an important vehicle for the president. You remember when he was using Twitter during his campaign for president, most people assume that, yeah, well, once you're president, you're not going to be on Twitter all day. And we know that President Obama admitted when he was president, he had nothing to do with his Twitter account. He had other people handle it and everything else. We know the president is tweeting, okay? Whatever time of the night he's tweeting out. So apparently LeBron James appeared on CNN, and this is like four days ago. And he was being interviewed by Don Lemon at CNN. Now, we know that the president and CNN uh, have a little history. Yes. Okay. So there was no reaction initially from the president, but the president did react today with this tweet. And why today, by the way? I'm just curious. Eh, just a slow day. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm looking here. It was at 11.37 p.m. late last night. All right. So he's up late. Maybe he saw some highlights of the interview or something. So he responded. Here's what the president said. LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. The I like Mike reference is the whole LeBron versus Michael Jordan, who's the greatest of all time. So obviously the president taking a shot there, saying he goes with Michael. Uh, as far as questioning the intelligence of LeBron, which he obviously is questioning as well, that is uh, another different layer to this whole tweet. Now, the question, Deb, is this. We know that the media that has been criticized of the president always takes the bait. We know that everybody seems to take the bait, which is what he wants. Right. And LeBron, we know that LeBron has spoken out against some of the president's policies. Oh, absolutely. And against has. the president. So so there is a history with all of these people. And uh, obviously Don Lemon, part of the network that uh, is not a fan of Trump right. and vice versa. And Lemon, uh, of, of all the CNN hosts, has really gone out of his way to be critical of the president, which fine if. 
I mean, if you again, I guess there's a difference between what we call uh, being a journalist, which is a very uh, it's slippery much, slope, as opposed to just doing commentary. Right, and there's you a know. much smaller pool of journalists. Right. As I don't even know to, if there uh, are any journalists anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, LeBron in the interview said, "Sports has never been something that divides people. It's always been something that brings someone together." That's not exactly true, LeBron. Uh, when he says sports has never been something that divides people. Say that back when Jackie Robinson came into baseball in 1947. That brought everybody together? Right. Not at the time it didn't. Um, sports has been a big dividing rod. I think of Muhammad Ali uh, and his protest about being drafted in the 1960s. That divided a nation. Yes, and sports has been used to divide people or to take political stands like boycotting the Olympics at various times. Right, and so for LeBron to say sports has ne- has never been something that divides people. It's always been something that brings someone together. Is just not true. No. Sports has been a great divider. First of all, even if you get out of the political realm, sports is a divider when we argue about best teams or rooting for one team versus another team. Or who's sports- a Hall of Famer and who's not. Sports Talk Radio is based on (laughs) opinions that are divided. We would not have Sports Talk Radio if it all brought us together. Sports is the great divider. You take sides. That's what we do in sports. You're on that side or you're on that side. So for LeBron, say, sports has never been something that divides people. It's always been something that brings us together is ridiculous. That's an absurd comment. By LeBron James, but here, here's where I'm, here's where I'm going with this as far as LeBron and focusing on the job at hand. Did you see this, guys? Uh, ESPN Insider making their bold predictions for the upcoming NBA season. They picked the Lakers this year to go 41 and 41 and finish as the nine seed, not even making the playoffs. Who did this? ESPN Insider. So their their insider, their experts are picking the Lakers to go forty one and forty one, a five game improve, a six game improvement from last year, but just missing out on making the playoffs. So you're telling me they're going for clicks, is what you're telling me. They're going for stirring the pot and getting us to talk about how stupid this is. Well, but let's let's take a step back. On the surface, it seems absurd because I think that. I'm looking at at least a 50-win season is my guess. I mean, I'm looking at it this way. The last two years, the Lakers have had a nine-game increase in wins. They went from 17 to 26 to 35 with a bunch of kids. Right. Okay? So I got to believe if they went nine games better last year, and remember you had, you know, Alonzo missed a lot of the season, Ingram missed a lot of the season. Now you've added LeBron James. The best player I in mean, basketball. Okay. Yeah. So, but... They might be thinking about one factor we're not thinking about. You know, as far as LeBron is concerned, since he joined the Lakers, he's on this media blitz. You know what he's not talking about is basketball. You know, he's had this HBO show now where he sort of holds court in the barbershop, and he's promoting that right now. Uh, He's doing interviews with CNN and all these things. He's getting into the political realm and everything else. He's opening this school. For the kids. Right. He's talked about that, which is why he was on CNN, which is a great cause, obviously. But all along, LeBron, and he did say in his own words that, you know, he wanted to come to L.A. And I go back to, you know, years ago when he was being interviewed by 60 Minutes, where he 
admitted that he wanted to be a mogul, you know, beyond basketball, right. that there's a world that I want to get involved in a lot of different things and have extreme wealth and everything else. He wants to emulate Warren Buffett. Exactly. That's who he, he talked about, Warren Buffett, which is all great. But the question is, now that he's in L.A., now that he's actually hanging out with, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and all the celebrities, and he's he's not in Cleveland anymore, and he's here in L.A., is that going to be a distraction for LeBron James in his effort to expand his world when he needs to focus on basketball with a team that is a locker room divided? On one side, you got all these kids saying, hey, LeBron's here, and then you brought in all these one-and-done guys who are trying to extend their careers, the Rondos, the Stevensons, the McGee's, guys like this, and they know the only way they're going to expand their careers or extend their careers is if they get on the good side of LeBron. See, to me, it's going to be a locker room divided. Guys that are on one-year contracts hoping to get much bigger deals like J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson got in Cleveland because LeBron liked them. Yes. Suddenly they're signing these four- and five-year deals for huge money. I guarantee you all these veterans are like, if I get in good with LeBron and I convince him you're I'm the right guy for you, meanwhile the kids are like, uh, how about us over here? So there, there are a lot of dynamics right. that are very interesting. And then on top of that, Deb, is Luke Walton the right coach to handle this? Well, the Luke Walton question, I think, is uh, it, it's kind of irrelevant because it's been irrelevant throughout LeBron's career who the head coach is because if there is not favor there, that coach is not the coach much longer. Uh, and if he is, the coach gets more credit probably than he is due for the cohesive unit that appears to be in place at that particular team. I'm not worried at all. This is August 4th. This is not October 4th. Let LeBron do his press tour. Let LeBron open schools. Let LeBron do good things. Let, let LeBron be a happy human being and expand the things outside of basketball because I feel pretty sure that this guy who's been in the national spotlight since he was 16 years old and is the best player on the planet currently playing in the NBA, he is going to be just fine when he is on the court. There may be cuts. There may be personnel changes. There may be a surprise diamond in the rough. We may find that JaVale McGee is an NBA all-star. Um, but let's not worry about that August 4th. Let's worry about October 4th and see once they start practicing together um, how things are coming together. Because we'll, we'll hear soon enough. We're here in L.A., and there are a lot of insiders who actually know what they're talking about, not necessarily picking them to finish ninth in the Western Conference. Yes. I um, mean, that. Uh, look at Nick. He's just shaking his head right now. Ninth in the West. It's unbelievable. Here's the thing, though. This, this whole dynamic about the CNN interview, President Trump baiting him to react. Um, see, what happens is a network that is anti-Trump is going to use any vehicle they can to attack the president. And you got a huge name like LeBron James suddenly on the other side. Now, all of a sudden, in the moment, everyone's like, hey, LeBron, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, I'm a Laker fan, right? I've always been a Laker fan. I'm like, I I don't really want to get LeBron sidetracked with a war of words against President Trump when he really needs to be thinking about how I'm going to take this mishmash of talent in L.A. and put it together into a championship team. I feel certain he can do both, Steve Hart. Really? <laughs> I think, I, again, it's August 4th. I think he can have his, if you want to call it a feud with the president, I think it's more a feud by the president. I, I you know, again, 
Well, you don't have to take the bait. You right, can just exactly, walk away. Exactly. LeBron will be LeBron on the court once it's time to be LeBron on the court. I'm not worried about. So LeBron. when Don Lemon calls him and say, "Hey, LeBron, I got to get you back on the show, man. We got to we got to talk about this present situation." I think LeBron says, "No, thanks. I'm going to worry about what I'm." LeBron doesn't need CNN to have his own platform. LeBron has a Twitter following that has a bigger following than CNN has. I hope you're right. I hope you're right because. One thing that I think we would all agree on is that it just doesn't mix. And for LeBron James, the situation in L.A. is dramatically different than what he had in Miami or even returning to Cleveland. This is L.A. This ain't the. This is not the Heat. This is not the Cavaliers. He will be judged along with the legends in L.A., the and he Lakers. Al- he also has better management, arguably, than he had in Cleveland. Uh, Do we know that for sure, that Magic Johnson's better management? Does uh, he have a track record? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he has more high profile. How, how's that? Okay, well, that, I mean, that's I, a necessary. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan <laughs> has been a high profile wow. owner Come and uh, without a, a lot of success. All right, so still a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Now, as far as Urban Meyer is concerned, Everyone's talking about this Urban Meyer situation, and they're missing the point. We'll tell you what really matters coming up next. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson with you. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Yesterday, I was uh, getting ready for my show, and things were a little quiet on the old... Uh, Urban Meyer front. We had had the initial, you know, noise. And and I was thinking to myself, man, is anything going to happen? And then all hell broke loose. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. So Urban Meyer makes a statement. I'll get to that statement in a second. And then Zach Smith, the coach who got fired for allegedly abusing his wife, he's contradicting things that Urban Meyer is saying. Uh, there's there's a lot of layers to this, Deb, and obviously we have just hit the tip of the iceberg on this whole story. But let's get back to the statement that Urban Meyer said yesterday. When a coach is played on administrative leave, what that means is, is that the university is trying to figure out how to get out of paying him. Yep. That's exactly what that means. In other words, we need to figure out his contract, of which they owe him more than $30 million dollars, and be able to prove that we're firing him with cause so we get out of the deal. So when Urban Meyer came out yesterday saying how he sort of misspoke at Big Ten Media Day, and he made the point, not that he had said anything wrong, but he wanted to drive home the point that he went through protocol, the proper channels in reporting whatever it is that he had learned without it getting the specifics about what he had actually said. He didn't say, hey, I heard this, so I told him this. He didn't say that. Which basically means his agent had a chance to call and say, hey, listen, if we're going to get money out of this thing, here's what you need to make sure we cover, and that is you're not being fired for cause. You covered yourself in the... Right. So what he is saying is, I follow protocol. What does that mean? What it means is this. He is telling the university, if you're going to take me down, you all go down. The athletic director, everybody goes down. 
So think twice before you try to battle me about money you owe me. He'll leave, but he's going to leave with his money. And just to be clear so the listeners understand that, the extension that Meyer signed going into this spring contained the requirement that he immediately report any known violations of Ohio State's sexual misconduct policy, and that includes accusations of domestic violence. So in his extension says that he has to have reported that, which is why he went public yesterday and said, hey, dudes, I did what I was supposed to do. So it's now a matter of did he and is there a record of him doing that? And we don't know what he actually said. All he said was, I followed protocol. So there was a reason for that. All right, let's get back to Zach Smith. So while Urban Meyer is putting this statement out, Zach Smith is doing interviews talking about how back in 2015, he got called in because of the news that there were accusations about spousal abuse with his, I guess, then ex-wife? She was still his wife at that point. Okay, so then... According to Zach Smith. They, they, and th- they divorced later that year. Though. Right. But this was in October of 2015. The incident allegedly happened in July of 2015. So in October of 2015 is when Zach Smith said that he was called in. Uh-huh. Uh, so obviously the season is actually going on at the time. And there were two accusations, by the way. One was uh, domestic violence and felonious assault. The second report was menacing by stalking. Correct. This So this was all going on. So... In Zach Smith's own words, he said he gets called in. They're like, what the hell's going on here? And then he talked to Urban Meyer, who basically said, what the F is going on? Zach Smith assured him none of this is happening. And he even said, Urban Meyer asked him, did you hit her? And Zach Smith said, I would not be here if I hit her. None of this is happening. She is absolutely off the rails nuts. And she's going crazy and everything. So But again, remember, Urban Meyer at this point has already said he had no conversations at all at this time with Zach Smith about any kind of alleged incident or everything else. All right. So now I want to get back to one other party in this. And that is Urban Meyer's wife. Shelly. Shelly. Shelly works at Ohio State. She works in the nursing department. And... According to the wife of, was it Courtney Smith? Courtney Smith, Smith, the ex-wife. She had not only conversations with Shelly Meyer on multiple occasions, going all the way back to the initial incident at Florida in 2009. When she was pregnant on their first anniversary. Correct. So you had all this conversation going on, and she said that Shelly Meyer had told her, I'm going to have to re- say this, say something to Urban. This is back in 2015. Right. Now, if you're Shelly Meyer, this looks bad either way. Either she did tell him, he did nothing, and then she stood by her man, or she didn't tell him. Of course she told him. So if she told him and he didn't do anything, and remember, she is an employee of the university and she didn't report it herself right. about another Ohio State employee involved in domestic violence? How's that look for her? Right. And she she probably should have reported it herself. But again, since this is under her husband's jurisdiction directly, 
I'm sure she probably presumed that he would take care of it. Presumed? Presumed. But obviously he didn't do anything about it because he was still on the staff. But then wouldn't you say the next day, honey, did you talk to the AD about this or whatever happened with this thing with Zach and, and Courtney Smith? So th- there were there were definitely okay. So, but that's and that's what too. Urban Meyer is trying to indicate is I reported everything. Okay, don't should, look at me. Look at the uh, athlete. This is what happened at Penn State. Then right? there should be a record of but, it. You know, Joe Paterno claimed that he reported what he had heard about Sandusky and turned it over to the athletic department. And just said that's not my thing. I I I told the people. Then Joe dies. They they laid the blame on Joe because he's dead anyway. Right. He couldn't defend himself. But the AD and the president of the university are on trial though. All right, so there's one more angle on this story that is unexplainable to a lot of people. Going back to when he was an intern, essentially, in Florida in 09. Yes. This is some nondescript replaceable coach, right? I mean, Except why? that he's Earl Bruce's grandson, and Earl Bruce is the mentor and, you know, God to Urban Meyer. Exactly. And what people don't understand about this, like, wait a second. Let me get this straight. So you give this kid who's a grandson of your mentor a job but he is trouble and i don't know what he's adding to the team although keep in mind zach smith was also head of recruiting right okay that's another big aspect of this but but meyer had had a chance to get to know him because zach smith was a walk-on football player at bowling green which is where Urban Meyer had his first coaching job right and how did he get that walk-on because his father was earl bruce Guess who died this year? Earl Bruce. So once Earl Bruce was out of the picture, that made it easy for Zach Smith uh, to be disposable. They waited until Earl Bruce died, which I think happened in April, for the green light to finally get rid of this nightmare that Urban Meyer's been carrying this entire time. Right. I, I, I still think, though, nothing would have happened had McMurphy not come forward with the whole story, though. I think he would still be a thorn in the side of Urban Meyer, but I don't think he would have been, all right, then you're out of here. But also, he gave this guy an opportunity to head up recruiting. Yeah. Once you're in that job, you have potentially all kinds of dirt yeah. on Urban Meyer and the Ohio State program. Truth. <laughs> Hashtag truth. So if you're if you're the university, well, we're going to get into this because and by the way, including a lot of recruiting that happened at Florida. Right. But with a lot of very high profile people at Florida. How does Ohio State move forward? How does the NCAA respond to all this? We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. You'll tell you on the other side. But David Gascon, you know, it's it's an icky situation, but. See, David, I look at Urban Meyer as dirty as can be on this whole thing. Obviously, he's making up stories, but yes. what about his wife? Ugh. And she's an employee still of the university? That's how this thing goes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go yeah. until they kick you out. You want an icky story, guys? Uh-oh. Uh, I just pulled something from the beautiful platform of, of Twitter. Mm. And Kelvin Benjamin, he played originally for who? Chargers. No, oh, no, the Browns. The, no, the Carolina Panthers. Oh, Carolina Panthers. Ah. Kelvin Benjamin. Yes. All right, yes. Well, he had an interview with The Athletic, and he took a bold-faced shot at Cam Newton. Let me read a little excerpt from this because it was just tweeted out uh, a few minutes ago. He said he didn't think that Carolina was a good spot for him. He said, I just think Carolina was bad for me. It was a bad hit fit from the get-go. If you would have put me with any other quarterback, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? 
any other accurate quarterback oh. like Rodgers or Eli Manning or whoa, Big whoa, whoa, Ben, whoa. anybody. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. When wow. Calvin Benjamin got injured, wasn't that sort of like that he was always considered Cam's guy? Yeah. Well, that same year they went to the Super Bowl without him. Right. So he goes on to add any quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball. I just felt like it wasn't in that. I wasn't in that position. Ooh, yeah. I, I, football season is here, man. <laughs> well, now, now he's got Josh Allen. That'll be great for him. <laughs> well, he can throw far. the most inaccurate college quarterback in the country last year. Yeah, but don't let everyone else tell you that because he's got great size. Anyways, uh, yeah. So we go away from the National Football League real quick to Major League Baseball. There's one game. That's in progress right now. Reds are hammering the Nationals. It's 6-1. to one. Gio Gonzalez done for the day. Three and two-thirds innings. Five earned runs. Six total. Ten hits against. Had five strikeouts, but he got roughed up. This is game one of a doubleheader, too, guys. They'll play later on today in game number two. Speaking of later on today, you get the Yankees and Red Sox. It's on FS1. First pitch is scheduled for 405. And that affair later on tonight, Dodgers and Astros from Los Angeles. Astros got a big win last night behind Justin Verlander in his 14 strikeouts. Off the diamond, Giants catcher Buster Posey won't play today. He was struck in the head yesterday with a foul tip. National Hockey League news, a couple notes here. William Carlson and the Golden Knights have avoided arbitration. He stays in Sin City on a one-year deal. They'll pay him just over $5 million. And the Anaheim Ducks have signed goaltender John Gibson to an eight-year contract, and his average annual value is at $6.4 million. Guys, that's more than Jonathan Quick. I don't know why he's getting paid that kind of money. Wow. Whatever. Whatever. That's a shot at uh, – at Nick, but whatever. <laughs> Should be happy. This guy with Tani hit two home runs yesterday. Yeah, he did. He did. Look at Nick. He's got his Lakers. He's celebrating forty-one and forty-one right now. Look at that. Yeah. So guys, Nine if you season. want to go to that, you could go uh, on to that. We'll do that quote with Kelvin Benjamin. I love so. that. I love that. Amazing how uh, guys can turn sour. If he thought that again, uh, Cam Newton was inaccurate. Wait till you see Josh Allen throw the ball. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save fifteen percent of our car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Talking about this uh, Urban Meyer growing scandal at Ohio State. And, of course, if there's any university that understands this path, it's Ohio State. They went through this with Jim Tressel just a few years ago. Now, when you think about the Tressel, remember he was lying about these tattoos and some of the freebies that some of the players were involved with, that he had knowledge and uh, remember the players then were going to have to sit out half a season or whatever cockamamie ruling they had, and eventually Tressel stepped down. And fortunately for Ohio State, remember they they had a throwaway year. Luke, Luke Fickle was yes. the interim guy. They went right. 500 that year, but they still obviously had a lot of five-star recruits. And then good fortune to them, Urban Meyer, even though they were on probation that first year, said, I'll take the job. Went undefeated, remember that first year, even though they were on probation and then rebuilt the Ohio State program. Um, he felt better after the uh, the ailment that had caused him to step down at Florida. Right. He was feeling uh, a year under the weather. Yeah. Um, but the difference is Tressel resigned in May. We got an Urban Meyer situation. We are about wow. to start the season. That's and Ohio crazy. State, the coaches poll, has some preseason number three in the country. I don't know what to do because here's the other problem for Ohio State. If you fire... Urban Meyer, according again to Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of Zach Smith, 
she told all the wives of all the assistants about the situation. So everybody's got to be out. Exactly. So are you going to fire your entire coaching staff literally weeks before the start of the football season? Now, this Ryan Day, who has been named the interim guy, he just joined the staff a year ago. Maybe he's clear. He's exempt. But if everybody else is fired, how are you going to put a staff together in a week to get ready for the college football season? I mean, this is almost to the point where if this actually comes down like on the eve of the season and you're Ohio State... Hold on, though. You, you might have to mail in a year. But the other the other coaches might not have in their contract that same stipulation that Meyer has. I mean, they're not in a they're in a leader. Leadership. Yeah, but they're doing an internal investigation. Yes. If they find out that this coach's wife knew, yes. But if the coach's wife knew, if he's not obligated to report, he would have been obligated to report it to Urban Meyer because that is his direct report. That is getting ugly. Yeah. That is getting... See, I'm, the, I'm just the, the biggest problem for Ohio State is if you have anybody there connected to Urban Meyer, other schools are going to use that against you. Yeah. They're dirty. You're not going to play for that school. That guy, that's Urban Meyer's guy. Well, isn't that how uh, somebody on this very network kept Greg Schiano <laughs> from getting the Tennessee job because he had a link to Jerry right. Sandusky and uh, Penn State? Right. But the difference, again, from the Trestle situation, he resigned in May. So they had a few months to figure oh, yeah. the whole thing out. And then basically they mailed in a year is what they did. And they were fortunate because there's been all this buzz that they're going to get uh, Bob Stoops. Now, Bob Stoops ain't going to come to Ohio State if they get leveled by the NCAA, which is another thing I want to bring up with you. But yes. is the NCAA going to level them if they clean house? Well, in which case that would clear the way for Bob Stoops to come in. All right. This is where, and by the, the way, would you like to see a uh, fly on the wall cam of Jim Harbaugh right, right about now? <laughs> well, Jim Harbaugh needs something right now because <laughs> Michigan fans are getting a little uh, nervous. Like what happened? This guy was the turnaround guy and he hadn't done Jack. I mean, we, there were no better off now than we were with Brady Hoke <laughs> at Michigan. All right. So getting back to the whole dynamic, as far as the NCAA is concerned, so remember the whole fallout from Penn State? I was on the air here screaming, if there's ever been reason for the death penalty, this is it. I mean, how much more can you do? It was an institutional thing, completely out of control. You're harboring a guy who's not even coaching there for another 20 years, doing what he's doing. Everybody seemed to know about it. Are you crazy? Death penalty to yeah. Penn State. And this that's, that's child molestation. That's a criminal charge, right. not just some guy getting some cash under the table. NCA initially decided, nah, we're not going to go death penalty, but we're going to drop the hammer. We're going to take all the wins away from Joe Paterno. Uh, four years, you know, it's, it's, it's not the death penalty, but harshest penalties ever leveled. You know what happened to that? They reneged on it. They gave back. They reinstated all of Joe Paterno's wins. And then they reduced the initial penalties. And I think what really bothered the NCA was they looked at it, this is a criminal matter. This is not something that's really under our jurisdiction. Right. And I'm wondering, based on what they did and didn't do in the Penn State situation, whether they're a little hesitant right now to do anything as far as Iowa State. Now, they might say, all right, like with the Trestle situation, a year's probation here. But is this the kind of offense, you, Deb Carson, if you were the NCAA, would you drop the hammer? 
the Me Too movement, everything else that's been going on in this country, the fact that you hid from public view, harbored a guy who repeatedly, allegedly, abused his wife to keep him on your staff for whatever reasons you have, is that enough to thoroughly drop the hammer to the NC? How would you handle it? No, I don't think. They don't get the death penalty. I don't think. Uh, again, this is uh, this is bad judgment. And do I absolutely think that he should have reported it? Absolutely. Um, but no, I don't think that this is an NCAA. It is an NCAA matter because Ohio State is part of the NCAA or, you know, under their jurisdiction. But no, I, I don't view this the same way that I view if there were massive payouts being... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but here's but, the thing. But here's the question, yeah. though. You brought up the fact that Smith was involved in the recruiting. I would like to dig further and find out, okay, were there recruiting violations that he knows about that might then fall under Urban Meyer's watch? But you do understand where we're going with this story is eerily similar to Penn State. In other words, Joe Paterno was confronting... And he said, look, I, I went to the proper authorities. This is the exact same thing that Urban Meyer is saying. And the theory about Joe Paterno was just look the other way. He's our golden goose. Do you know how much money Joe Paterno is generating for this university? Well, guess what? Urban Meyer is the most powerful man on that university. He has taken Ohio State back to the, you know, the promised land. Hundreds of millions of dollars are pouring into this university thanks to the football program resurrected by Urban Meyer. So, is there a possibility, much as there was in Penn State, where they were covering for the coach, knowing his value to the university, in the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars? And if that's proven, that indeed, as he's saying, I followed protocol. I told the people, and you find out that indeed the university was covering for the football program because of the power that Urban Meyer has on that university then if you're the NCA, do you take a different view? I still don't think it's a death penalty situation. Um, well, what do you have I, to do I, to I, do I a understand. death penalty? Well, I would say Penn State got as close as you could get. But they didn't get it. I know. Because I, I think that everybody saw what happened after SMU. Uh, now, do I think that... SMU got the death penalty because they were paying players. Right. Which is going on everywhere. Everybody they, pays right. players. That seems pretty mellow compared to child abuse or spousal abuse, does it not? Oh, I think so, yes. This is, <laughs> I no, know. This is it's, it's a really good question. Well, I, again, uh, what is the purpose of the NCAA? Well, that's a lot of people have been asking that Besides for Besides lining Steve. their pockets of money. <laughs> I mean, is there any other purpose for the NCAA other than finding out ways for their executives to line their pockets with money? Are, are you really worried about... What's going on in these universities? I think you have to clean house, though, if that's the case. Either if if he if he did report, then yes, the people above him. Ha- uh, I'm talking about if if Meyer reported this to his higher ups mm-hmm. and they did nothing about it and kept this guy around, those people need to go. If he did not report it, he needs to go. What if they decide we did our internal investigation? We're good. We didn't find any indiscretions. We don't find any credible evidence. By the way, there's another sidebar to the story. I would story. say check with the police department because I think they would beg to differ. There's another news outlet that has failed to disclose one other major story connected. In fact, the day after, still no sign on one source 
Why is this source not reporting everything when it comes to the Urban Meyer situation? We're going to tell you who it is coming up next. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer was built to save you time and money by allowing you to compare multiple quote options all online. So head to Progressive.com today and see if you can save. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson with you on this Saturday. When you have a, a big story like the Urban Meyer story, by the way, advocacy uh, groups are now calling for a federal investigation into Ohio State how it handled claims of sexual abuse. You didn't think that was going to take long, did you? Come on. Are you kidding me? The Me Too movement has got a high-profile case, huge case, and they want a full-blown federal investigation of what's going on. So this is, this is just tip-of-the-iceberg stuff. But when you have a uh, a case like this, one of the interesting side notes to me is how different news outlets uh, cover it, and particularly if their bread is buttered in a particular correct slant. ESPN was put in a really difficult predicament, and they're only making it worse. This story came out because of Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy got all the information from Courtney Smith, reported it, all hell broke loose. He's the guy behind the story. That was a big problem for ESPN because a year and a half ago they laid him off. But he's still under contract, and his contract expires in the fall. Now, if you don't know how this works, you're like, well, why was he still under contract? Well, you had two choices. You could either just stay low and just collect your money, or you could break your contract and try to get a job elsewhere. He stayed low. But apparently he has a place where he's going to be going to once his ESPN contract expires. And he was able to break this because he posted it on his Facebook Correct. account, which is a not, not in a violation of his non-compete with ESPN. So when he broke the story, and Breck McMurphy's been around the college football season for years, immediately everyone jumped on the story except for one news outlet, ESPN. They sat on it for four hours. Four hours. So while everybody else is talking about it, Fox, everybody else has got this story, they're not saying anything. And then finally, on their radio network, they said, ESPN's Brett McMurphy. Well, I guess technically he is on the payroll, but you laid him off a year and a half ago. Then they said the reason that they didn't respond is that they were in some kind of internal meetings talking about uh, something college football related, like the whole building was in on the meeting. And they even accused McMurphy of timing his announcement to coincide with these meetings, like somehow he knew all this was going on. Just a thought, if this was NBA-related, I have a feeling Adrian <laughs> Wojnarowski would have still found a way to, uh, yeah, you think? to collect his own sources and tweet it out. And then ESPN said, well, we were doing our own internal investigation on the matter, so when they actually reported it, it was word for word what Brett McMurphy had already said. But here's something, if you, were still, if you only go to one outlet, ESPN, here's a story you still don't know about. A day later. So Brett McMurphy was able to get from Courtney Smith a text exchange that she had with her ex-husband, Zach Smith. Here's how this went. 
This was a text message between Zach and Courtney when he admits and apologizes for strangling his wife and Putacana trip uh, in March 2015. This is it. This is how. So she says to him, think about the past. Think back to the cheating, the lies, and picking me up by my neck, strangling me in Putacana and at our place in April. The abuse got worse because you couldn't stand me catching you in your lies. Zach Smith responds. I know. With five exclamation points. And then she says, now you continue your lies. And he says, I'm so sorry. Multiple exclamation points. And she says, such a slap in my face, just stay away. So once again, Brett McMurphy is getting all this information from Courtney Smith, putting it out there. It's being reported everywhere except at ESPN. Nothing. Zero. They're still stuck on the story that Urban Meyer, uh, you know, uh, changed his tune, uh, uh, you know, from Big Ten Media Day. This is embarrassing. How, how do you have any credibility when you don't report everything that's being reported? Simply because the guy that reported it is a guy that you laid off? It's crazy. Well, he's done a great job on this story. And Phenomenal. I, and, and obviously, a ton of stories in the past covering mm-hmm. college football. But uh, but I uh, there is nothing that will propel a reporter into digging for more than when a head coach says, <laughs> I don't know who reported that. This never happened. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Let's find more then. So cover up everywhere, a story that is only going to grow over the next couple of days. And now that people are asking for the federal government to get involved, in the investigation, these are tough times at the Ohio State University. All right, so we'll uh, brush that aside for a moment here. Uh, we mentioned that the NFL season is off and running. But there was already one concern that came out of the Hall of Fame game that the NFL is going to have to answer to. We'll tell you what that is coming up next. Uh, so much to do and such a short amount of time on this very busy Saturday. It is Hartman and Carson with you. Fox Sports Saturday. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Sort of happy to sort of put that Urban Meyer icky, yeah. icky story aside for a moment here. Um, this is a big year for the NFL, a huge year for the National Football League with all the controversy and everything swirling around this league. And what does its future look like? We're going to get into, you know, some of the new rules changes. A lot was on display for the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. But it was what happened before the game that raised a few eyebrows and then a report that came after the game that raised even more eyebrows. Let's talk about before the game. So the Ravens and Bears are there in Canton, Ohio, and it's time for the national anthem. Everybody stood at attention. The Bears linked arms. The Ravens stood at attention. Not a single player took a knee. Not one. And I was thinking to myself, because I've been hearing reports, Deb, about this behind-the-scenes negotiations between the Players' Union and and the NFL owners about a resolve for the national anthem. And what's been leaking out about these meetings is, is that the players 
feel like we have an opportunity to earn a bargaining chip. So the collective bargaining agreement will expire in 2021. And obviously there's already been talk about a lockout or a walkout or some kind of strike or something along those lines because the players feel that the owners are not 100% honest when it comes to the actual pool of money that should be available to the players as well. But if the owners are so hell-bent on this anthem situation and your man, Jerry Jones, demanding that his players, there is no option of standing in a locker room. No, everybody's going to be on the field. Everyone's going to stand at attention. And by the way, he got uh, the back end of his two biggest names, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Right. It's his, it's his team, right? He is the employer, yes. And and if your employer right. asks you to do something while on the job, which while you're in uniform, you're technically on the job, mm-hmm. you need to do what you are Okay. To, you know, asked to do by your employer. Now, I, I heard you, a lot you of people. You and I have to abide by that here. Well, everybody does. Yes. Everybody has to play exactly. by the set of rules if you're employed by somebody else. Uh, one of the concerns for Cowboy fans is, great, way to go, Jerry. I guess no free agent's ever going to sign with us again. That's ridiculous. Of course they would. Why? Well, yeah, but- I mean, I'm a protester. I'm, a, I'm one of the best players in the league. You want me? I'm not going there unless you allow me to protest. Well, because Jerry has openly said and supported players who do protest on their own time. No, I'm going to do it during the anthem, Jerry. I'm going to do. You want to sign me? I'm going to. I'm going to take a knee during the national anthem. Okay, tell me what one player then is worth. Well, a, a multi-billionaire. I understand. You know, he's 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 got an ego bigger than his bank account. Okay, let's, well, look let's at the see. Yankees. So the Yankees insist that you're clean shaven, right? Right, exactly. So if a player wants to play in that uniform and mm-hmm. for him, yes, and with the group of players that he has, then they're going to do what is requested right. of them. I agree. I look at. I am. I am supportive of Jerry Jones. I'm supportive of any owner, whatever decisions they make. They own these teams. They can set their own rules. Now, getting back to this, this resolve between the players' union and the owners. Question, what I'm understanding for you, though, I yeah. mean, how is the money in question? The Packers are a publicly owned team. That's the, that's the only reason that we know anything because they have to publicly disclose their numbers. No other team does, right? But we always get a little glimpse because the Packers are a publicly owned team and it's public knowledge. So that is how we know. That's how players should be able to know approximately how much money is no, no, being no. brought in. Well, we we only know this, though. See, for instance, even the Packers, what they talk about, you, you can talk about gross revenues, but net revenues can always be spun. True. Always be spun. And that's what the players want to know. They really want to know everything. But here's how the owners, here's how the players might get a little leverage. Since this whole idea of this national anthem thing, the owners have basically been telling the players, look, we're getting heat from the networks. Network ratings were down, mm-hmm. and they're getting—they're doing their internal polling, saying that the anthem thing is a deterrent for a lot of people to watch the NFL. And if we're losing money down the road in our next de- television deal, if we lose money, you're going to lose money. But the players are going to say this, and this is what I'm hearing. So the players are feeling like, all right, if this is that big of a deal to you, fine. Players will stand at attention, 100%. There will be no exceptions. We will be a unified union, which, by the way, if the NFL pulls this off, it'll be the first time ever the players have been united. But play along for a second here. They'll come to the owner and say, you will never have to worry about it again. We will make that concession to you. But we'll make that concession to you. We'll call off the dogs 
for a concession from you. So in other words, you're, you, if you're the players union, you just say, fine, we'll all stand at attention. Now what's in it for us? Guaranteed salaries. That's a good start. You're never going to get fully guaranteed, no. but more guaranteed money. That's a very real possibility. Absolutely. Isn't Deb. that the most important thing? Right. So I think the union is looking at this. You know what? We've got a bargaining chip now. This 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 anthem situation is is a bargaining chip. However, the Hall of Fame game may have backfired on the players. Because the fact is, everybody stood at attention at the start of the game. All of them. And the ratings were down double digits from the Hall of Fame game a year before. It has nothing to do, one has nothing to do with the other. I did not watch the Hall of Fame game, so I would not have known whether they stood or kneeled or sat on their behinds. But still, it won the night on the networks. Okay. Uh, Big Brother had, uh, CBS had Big Brother on, uh, there were other shows on. It still won the night. A meaningless preseason game won the night for uh, NBC. And are those two teams that anybody would have tuned in to watch? I think that's a it great point because... It wasn't the Packers. It wasn't the Cowboys. Who was in that game last year? The Cowboys. That's right. Yeah. Who are always the biggest draw on television. And no disrespect to the Ravens or the Bears, but the fan bases are different. But then the argument from the owners is, is this anthem thing... I mean, the, the, again, the internal polling from the networks is saying it was a factor. Otherwise, the owners wouldn't be making the noise they're making. They're not just on the whim, just saying because you remember owners. Remember after President Trump made you know made the thing get the SOBs. Next thing you know, there's Jerry Jones locking arms yeah. with his uh, team and everything else. But now you might be saying, if you're the owners, and even reporting back to the networks, aren't you guys overplaying this whole anthem thing? How many how many players really are taking a knee? True. At the end of last year, there weren't that many players taking a knee. You keep having the president fan the fire because it's working for him right. and his base. So it's going to be, this is a whole dynamic. It's just, it's one of those little games. It's a shell game almost between the owners, the players, the networks, trying to figure this whole dynamic out of something that's so stupid, so benign. And everybody else seems to figure this thing out except for the NFL. And I would still argue that if you're a real football fan who wants to watch a game, you're going to watch a game whether people stand or kneel. You're going to, you may not watch for the anthem, but you're going to come in and watch the first quarter. Why do the networks show the anthem? I don't know. Well, if, if, no, if, if, because, because if the it fans anthem. The flames. It fans the conversation. Yeah, but if it's turning off, look at if I'm the network and I have internal numbers saying I'm losing p- viewers by showing people protesting the anthem, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't show the anthem. Well, then maybe the networks need to mandate to their directors mm-hmm. to cut away and not show the anthem. No, but you know why this happens? Because the news department is saying it's a story and we want you to show the anthem because it's fuel for our news talking about protesters. Uh, players protesting, and and then when the, and the sports department is like, well, we're losing numbers here. Well, then the, I don't care. This is a news story, and we need to cover this news story. Then the networks need to decide what's more important: covering it from a news angle or covering it to get their ratings back up. The uh, numbers overall, and again, some of the demographics that are most concerning. It's that eighteen to forty-nine demographic that is uh, is suffering, and that brings up a whole different. A storyline about the NFL and where we're going with millennials right now. Well, they're all going to watch it streaming or online as opposed to live. Or are they watching it all? 
You know, we got yeah, into this a couple of weeks ago sure talking are. about the fact that esports, you know, when I'm watching broadcast of esports now, you're like, who? I mean, we're sitting there like, are seriously, we're watching a somebody game? playing a game. <laughs> and you know who's watching? Millennials are watching. Why? Because they play those games. So while you and I are sitting there like, what the hell are we watching? We have no idea what we're watching. They know what they're watching. And what they're watching is somebody going places in this game that they could only dream about going as they try to play these games as mere mortals as opposed to these you know geeky guys sitting there pushing all the buttons. I'm telling you, Deb, the world that your daughter Chase is going to be exposed to many years from now. She's getting ready for kindergarten, right? Yes, she is. Okay. So 50 years from now, she's going to be watching sports. There's not going to be any athletes anymore. Everything's going to be esports, <laughs> and the nerds will have taken over. They will have taken over. They will finally have achieved their dream to push to get those athletes out of here, man. We control now the sports world. By the way, she learned how to push buttons the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said when I, I was reprimanding her about something, and she said, Mom, you know I'm really an Eagles fan, right? I swear to you that came out of her mouth as a five-year-old. Already testing you. Already. Already testing you. I told her not while she's in my house. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. All right. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Everyone said Johnny Manziel had a disastrous debut in Montreal. I'm saying it's the best thing that could have happened. We'll explain coming up next. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson. Great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes could save you. 15% 15% or more on car insurance. All right, I have to admit, I have always been a Johnny football fan, Johnny Manziel. And I'll put it this way. As you know, Deb, I have a Heisman vote. Yes, you do. Did you vote for Johnny football? I, I actually didn't. Who did you vote for? My, uh, I gave Manti Teo my number one vote. My, And I looked at it this way that year. That was the year Notre Dame went undefeated. Remember, the vote is before the bowl game and everything else. Uh, unbelievably, they weren't even ranked before the season. They go undefeated, ranked number one in the country, and Manti Teo had <laughs> the most unbelievable year. He had seven interceptions that year, having had zero the previous three years. He had played a perfect season. I think it's so unfortunate for him that his off-the-field stuff All that, that stuff on, came on uh, after the vote, yeah, by the way. But but it, it overshadowed the brilliant performance that he had. He had season. one of the most remarkable seasons he ever. He did. Uh, it's once of only twice that I have voted for someone who ultimately did not win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey. I picked him over uh, Derrick Henry a couple it, years ago. Is that the first defensive player that you voted for? Yes, it was. Okay. And uh, so, uh, but that doesn't diminish what I feel about Johnny Mansell. Okay. Because I will say this. I have watched college football for 50 years, going all the way back to OJ at SC. And Johnny Mansell to me, is still top five must-watch college football players yes. that I've ever seen. He was electrifying. His two games against Alabama, the one he won, the one he lost, were unreal. I am Nick Saban's like, I have no answer for this guy. He's running around. He's doing – I mean, it's just watching him play at Texas A&M, I, I just couldn't get enough. I mean, we were doing shows right here in the studio – and it was almost impossible to do the show. In fact, we were doing the show during the his the sophomore year against. I remember they lost that game, but the combat. I mean, it it was just unbelievable. Well, some of the the throws that he made were so improbable. Improbable. And looked like wounded escapability yeah, exactly. and everything else. 
And so I'm watching him, and everyone's trying to predict what's he going to do in the NFL. I said, I've seen this guy before, and his name was Fran Tarkington. Mm -hmm. But he's a better athlete than Fran was. But, you know, Fran predates everybody just about. But that was the game of Fran Tarkington. His escapability, that sixth sense, I mean – I, I talked to Deacon Jones, the late great Deacon Jones, many times against playing with Frank. He goes, it was it was unbelievable. You, he'd say you would zero. In, I'm going to destroy this guy. Fran wasn't a big guy, and I'm zoomed in on him, and he is totally focused down the field, like he is looking down, staring down the receiver. He knows I. He has no clue I'm about to blast him, and then just when I'm about to get there, zoom, he zips out. He was. He was slippery. I mean, literally eyes in the back of his head. So when I would watch Manziel, I'm like, that's the same guy. Like, he is avoiding people that he's not looking at. They're coming from different angles. You talk about a feel for uh, a rush. I hadn't seen it since Fran Tarkin with Johnny Manziel. So obviously, I I was one of those guys that went on the limb, and when the Browns took him, I thought, this is Browns stink, but you know what? He's going to be a star. And they said, what about the off-field stuff? I said, you know, he's so talented. Look, look what he's done on the field AM. It didn't affect his game on the field. Well, obviously it didn't work out. And, you know, this, this remember this. This was a guy whose father basically almost accepted the fact that he was going to kill himself. Well, he did, didn't he? Right. Come out and say by the time he's 25, he will be dead. dead. Yeah. His own father. Yeah. So... All of a sudden, you're sitting here now, and Johnny Manziel is now up in the Canadian Football League. Remember, he's only 25 years old. He's the same age as Carson Wentz. So let's just keep wow. that in mind. Johnny Manziel is the same age as Carson Wentz. So being 25 years old, he has another opportunity. So he goes up to the Canadian Football League, which I thought that's a smart move. We saw what happened for Doug Flutie resurrecting his career in the Canadian Football League. And again, a very special type of player that Flutie was, undersized, but the escapability, the arm, everything else. And he's back with Mike Sherman now. Back with Mike Sherman, who understands him when he recruited him to Texas A&M. So he played on a different team where he never got to see any action, and then he got traded to the Montreal Alouettes. So yesterday he made his debut. And in the first half, half, he threw four picks. Right. It was ugly. <laughs> I mean, it was not pretty. But what impressed me about it and why I think that this is the best possible start for Johnny Manziel is what he said after the game. Nick, can we get the Johnny Manziel quote of what he said after his debacle with the Montreal Alouettes. Do we have that sound, guys? We have that sound. Here it is. One, you can let this get you down and sulk, harm you moving forward. The other way is to just take this on the chin like a man and never allow this taste to creep back in your mouth again and never let this happen again. I love it. So in other words, he takes responsibility. Yeah, I stunk. It was awful. No excuse. I got to play better. But that is a certain sign of maturity right there, Deb, that we probably would not have heard from Johnny Manziel maybe coming up with excuses. And by the way, I'll make an excuse for him right now as far as the Canadian Football League is concerned. Uh, Vince Ferragamo has been a dear friend of mine for many, many, many years. Former Ram quarterback, led him to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl fourteen. The next year, he took over as the Rams' starting quarterback, had an incredible year, 30 touchdowns. He is a rising star. 
And Georgia Frontier, she did so many times ask Eric Dickerson and so many Rams, she lowballed him on his salary. And he got an offer for much more money to play in the Canadian Football League. So coming off this big year in the NFL, Vince Ferragamo, young star quarterback in the NFL, went up to the CFL. It was a disaster. I think he had seven touchdowns and 25 interceptions. I mean, it was a disaster. He then returned to the NFL and once again was an effective quarterback. So I've, I've asked Vince, what happened? I mean, how he goes, the only, the only thing that's similar about the NFL and the CFL is the FL. <laughs> that there's a football. There's a football and you're wearing uniforms. Different size He goes, field. basically, when you are playing quarterback, when you're coming from the NFL, and as Johnny Manziel is, and you go to the CFL, what's up is down and what down's up. Everything is backwards in the CFL. You you think you're looking at the field as you would look an NFL field, and it's completely the opposite. And you say, well, how is this it? Well, you mentioned there's a lot of differences. One of the things is your your wide receivers have a running start. Now, if you haven't seen the Canadian Football League, your receivers can actually be running toward the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped. Now, they can't cross the line of scrimmage. It's like a timing thing, but they get a running start. And with quarterbacking, everything's about timing. Yep. So you're you're used to stationary receivers and how long it's going to take for them to get to a certain spot, and you got to have the ball there when they are in that spot. But suddenly you got receivers that are got a head start, so they may get to that spot quicker than you actually have anticipated. And he only had a couple of weeks to work out with this new team before he actually got thrown out there. So he's he's looking at the game like he did when he was at A and M or when he was in the NFL with the Browns. And he found out quickly <laughs> that the timing of this league is completely different than anything he's ever seen before. But but the old Johnny Manziel would have made excuses and blamed somebody else. Right. And you're right. The, when I first heard this quote this morning, I thought, wow, that sounds like a different, it sounds like a grown-up talking, not some kid who's pouting about something. Right. So he he'll learn from this. He'll get better. Everyone is always looking for an opportunity to completely bury uh, Johnny Mansell. Don't be so hasty. I still believe in this. I know this guy's got talent. Lots of talent. I'm just hoping he sees this as his potentially last opportunity. I hope he fully takes advantage of it. Again, I think the fact that he's there with Mike Sherman is good. That's a security blanket. And that's somebody who believes in him, obviously. Well, he's married now. He's not going to quit. Right. Well, I hope not. I mean, he's 25 years old. He can play this game. He can play this game for a long time. Remember, Doug Flutie was older than that when he, you know, failed in the NFL, went to Canada for many years, finally got another opportunity to come back. You remember with the Buffalo Bills and made a Pro Bowl. Exactly. And continued his career on from there. So uh, we have not heard the last of Johnny Mansell. I promise you that. So, uh yeah, I just uh, – but, uh, again, the Canadian Football League, just imagine this. If you don't know – the end zone in the NFL is 10 yards, and the Canadian Football League is 25 yards. I mean, think about that. You could be on the first, you'll be on the goal line, and you could basically throw a bomb for a touchdown. Yeah. From no, the one yard line. The perspective is different, <laughs> the distance is different. No. But again, the fact that receivers are moving toward the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped, it's all about timing. And he was throwing balls late, uh, behind guys, spots that weren't there. And it wasn't that he was that far off. He was just used to, you know, 
everything is so quick in the NFL. You you got to react. You're not even throwing to receivers, man. You're throwing to spots. And so he's throwing to a spot, but either the guy was already there, passed, or the whole timing thing was off. So that is my excuse. He didn't offer it. He didn't offer any excuses. He just said this was a bad game, and he's going to get better. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We got much more on the big day today, Hall of Fame Day in Canton, Ohio. Let's bring on Mr. David Gascon once again. Have you ever been to Canton, Ohio, Dave? I stink. I, I haven't been to any of the Hall of Fames yet. Well, I've been for I've been to Canton six times. Six times? That's way too many times. But I, I've actually been to the Hall of Fame on six separate occasions. Um and like I would I would say this for any Hall of Fame. If you appreciate the history of the game, if you appreciate certain players, you know, you grow up a fan of a certain team, yeah. uh, it's very cool. Very cool to be there. You don't get a lot of people like that anymore though. We're, we live in a, I think we live in a society now where we just care about what's in front well, of us. Well, and and by the way, you say that, and attendance at all these Hall of Fames has dropped. Yeah. No question. It's unfortunate. Yes, it we, is. We get T.O., though. We get the T.O. show. So And bowling. <laughs> and bowling. <laughs> After the fact. <laughs> For $40 only, of course. Oh, man. $40. But it's a VIP party. By the way, we have no word if he actually will be at the VIP party. What city is that in? It's, it's in, in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. So how much does a flight cost to get out there then? <laughs> I think you have to, well, I, you can probably fly into Chattanooga. The time that I went there last, so I think I flew into Nashville and drove to Chattanooga. How long of a commute was that for you? Oh my gosh, that was like 15 years ago. Um, I'll look it up for you. <laughs> All right. See, back then it was like $20 in we, gas. We may and now be having like listeners right now on their way. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be at that VIP party. Yeah, so. uh, by the end of your update, I will have uh, the distance from Nashville to Chattanooga for you. All right, well, we'll make this quick then. Uh, <laughs> we'll start things off in Major League Baseball, guys. Reds on top of the National 7-1. to Cincinnati's got 13 hits and counting so far in this thing. Gio Gonzalez didn't fare too well in this one. Lasted just three and two-thirds innings. Gave up six runs. Five of them earned off of 10 hits. And this one, again, it's in the eighth inning as we speak. Padres trying to climb back into it. They were down 5 nothing to the Cubbies, but now it's 5-3. Game's in the fourth inning from Wrigley. And then in about 35 minutes from now, we'll get game number two, Yankees and Red Sox. That game will be showcased on FS1. Later on tonight, you get the Dodgers and Astros from Los Angeles. Lance McCullers on the bump against Kent Maeda. First pitch is at 9-10. A couple of other notes in the NBA. Miami Herald reporting Hassan Whiteside, Deion Waiters, and Tele Johnson available in some trade talks. Clemson has agreed on a 10-year extension with $58 million with Nike. Serena Williams has announced that she's pulling out of next week's Rogers Cup, a hardwood court tournament, citing some personal reasons. And some National Football League news, and I think our executive producer, Robert Garrett, will love some of this. Oakland Raiders cornerback Daryl Worley. He pleaded guilty in June to three charges, including driving under the influence stemming from an arrest in April. That's according to some online records. So the records show that Worley pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges of DUI, carrying firearms in public in Philadelphia, and also resisting arrest. On the day of an Oakland Raider. We'll get a uh, reaction to that from uh, Robert. Yeah, the and NFL sure. has yet to uh, contact him, but I would imagine yeah. a suspension is on uh, and route. Yeah, well, we'll talk about how things are quickly spiraling out of control in the John Gruden era with the silver and black. And as you are all eagerly awaiting the answer to this question, Nashville to Chattanooga via I-24 is two hours and seven minutes, 133.9 miles. All right, so you, you got to be armed with cash. Now, if you're going alone, it'd be $40, but uh, it's $40 per 
for the VIP party, which starts at 9 o'clock East Coast time. 9 o'clock. So you still got plenty of time to get out. Six hours. And remember, it's not just the DJ, the food, and the drinks. Bowling. Bowling. You got bowling as well. Right? So there you go. Big party out there. Or you can save your 40 bucks and just go to his, uh, his speech. I don't know who's going to be for that, for that speech. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I did have a chance twice to go to induction ceremonies uh, at the Hall of Fame. 2000, uh, Howie Long. Ever tell you the Howie Long story and his connection with me? Oh, wait a second. His wife was married to you or something like that. Exactly. Here's the story. And here's how this story goes. Now, that was Ready cheese, for this? right? All right. So when I worked for the Raiders in the 80s, Howie, obviously one of our biggest stars, Howie's a super guy. He's exactly what you think he is. You see him on TV, super guy, super family guy. You know, his sons, obviously, Kyle, Chris are playing the NFL. So when I left the Raiders in 1988, okay, I left uh, 1988, Howie retired after the 1993 season. So after this, I had already started my radio career and everything else. And the year after Howie retired, he was being honored at an event of which I was one of the MCs. So I hadn't seen Howie in a little bit, and I had just got married. So Denise and I were at the uh, event, and Howie's there with his wife, Diane. And so I went over to introduce Denise to Howie and Diane. So, um, I, you know, this is Denise and everything. Oh, congratulations. Got married and everything else. And Diane Long says to Denise, you know, I was married to Steve for five years. Now I'm looking at her like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm like, I, 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 so I found out that when I left the Raiders in 1988 and I left four games into the season as their PR guy. For the rest of his career, Howie Long on the road would register as Steve Hartman. <laughs> so the way what he felt was there was this name that had been on our you know mass for all these years. I'm just going to use your name. He goes, I never thought you would actually do anything. <laughs> so when Diane Long would call Howie on the road, she would always say Steve Hartman's room. So this went on. In fact, even Chris knew this. I remember running into Chris Long. And at a Super Bowl party down in Miami, and I said, hey, Chris, Steve Harbin is like, no way. And he's like texting his dad and everything else. Anyway, so I was there in 2000 for Howie Long, uh, and I remember seeing Diane. I said, you know, the big question. I actually, when it was announced Howie had been elected to the Hall of Fame, Diane was, it was in Atlanta. I remember this was, we were in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And I remember asking her, does he go in as Howie or is, uh, does he go in as Steve Hartman? So we had a lot of fun with this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I was also there in 03. For Marcus Allen. And Marcus was even different because I really was part of his party. I got to go to all the parties, you know, knowing Marcus for for many, many years. And it is incredible when you see all these returning Hall of Famers. This year, they're going to have almost 140 returning Hall of Famers. And I got to tell another quick sidebar story. So in 03, when Denise and I went there, it was the 40th anniversary of the first Hall of Fame. So they had a record number of returning Hall of Famers that year for the 40th anniversary. And it was just, if you're a football fan, it's just like mind-blowing. I mean, you've seen all these legends and, and everybody else out there. 
And we were inside the hall doing a tour of the hall when they informed everybody they needed to clear the hall out because they were bringing the Hall of Famers in for some photos and everything else. So we were like, but like the last two is we're exiting and literally there's an entryway at the Hall of Fame. It's like a circular entryway. And we were divided. We got sort of split up. She was on one side. I was in the other as we're exiting out. And here come all these old Hall of Famers. So I'm on the other side looking like, what the hell happened to Denise? And I look up and this one Hall of Famer stops her. Like, hello, how are you? <laughs> Joe Namath. <laughs> Joe Willie Namath. Picking up on my wife right there at the Hall of Fame. I'm like, Joe, hello. <gasps> Scandalous. So I would, I, have you ever been to the Hall of Fame? I have not yet. That, that is on my bucket list, though. I'm, I'm it's just worth, starting I mean, to you are such a football list. fan, dude. Yes. I mean, you are Huge. a diehard. And, and to see some of your favorite Cowboys there and everything else. And, and by the way, it's different. When I first went there, they used to have these, it was totally different. They didn't have the big panoramic, all the bust in one room. They were like separate in little containers, you know, and they had these color photos. But now it's just all in that room right there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's spectacular. It really is worth at least once going and checking out. If you are a football fan, I would say absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is one of the things that I regret not having done with my dad. Mm. I mean, that, that is, that's absolutely one of the things that, you know, had I thought, uh, obviously we didn't know what was going to happen, but that, that's definitely something that's on my own personal bucket list. And I think now that my daughter's old enough to... Uh, she'll either be forced to go with, or <laughs> well, she'll or, want to see all her favorite go. eagle players. <laughs> Stop that! How dare you? Yeah. So hopefully she's she'll like, change "Mom, her where's mind. Carson Wentz? Where's he? I want to see his bus." Once I have a star tattooed on her ankle <laughs> next week. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, that that's definitely on the to do list, though. See, this is what happened to my dad and I. You know, my dad went to USC. I was raised a Trojan mm-hmm. and became a Bruin. Tough, tough. So if she becomes like, if she's wearing her Wentz uniform around oh, and everything stop. like that. I can't even envision that. And you're That's watching awful. like a Cowboy stop Eagle fan and she's cheering on the no. Eagles. Oh my goodness. I can't take it. Well, that's part of being a parent. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, take sides, you know, and you just gotta live with it. They're their own person, right? Once she's out of the house. And I know and she looks like a mini you, but no. She does. But, and, and here's the truth. If she became a fan of one of the teams that's here in LA, I would right. completely understand that. And I would be okay with that. Even even the Rams, which would be an NFC rivalry, um, not anytime lately, but uh, but but that I would understand. But no, she can't go the Eagles route. That would have to be she's got to be eighteen out of the house if that's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, not on my watch. Deb, I got news for you. You 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 you, you think you have control of the situation I'm right trying. now? She's once she's in school, right? No, you know I know she's doing a little preschool action, and her little new best friend is an Eagles fan. Oh boy, yeah. You see, then all of a sudden they got the friends that seem to have a little more influence. You know, they take sides against the parents and everything else. By the way, I, I love it continuing this Hall of Fame discussion because I don't want to get Robert too upset. See, Robert, our producer, who is a big-time Raider fan, uh, seems to be on the opposite end of where most people are going right now with the silver and black. Now, Robert, you know I work for Mr. Davis. In fact, I was showing Deb. Somebody sent me access to a YouTube video of a 1988 Raiders-Broncos Monday night game, which happened to be the last game I worked for the Raiders, and they told me, go to this certain time on this video, and it was a shot of Al Davis in the press box, sitting next to yours truly. There I was. 
30 years ago. And your hair looked just as good then as it does now. Deb, do I look a lot different? You have not aged at all, <laughs> I'm telling you. In 30 years, it's the same profile, right? Same exact day. same. Same hair, same everything. Same everything. I don't change. I don't change. But are you at least a little apprehensive, Robert, that all the noise coming about Khalil Mack saying, are you kidding me? I can't get my money, but you paid this has-been $100 million, and I can't get my money? And then we find out that Gruden's had no conversation with Khalil Mack since February? That doesn't at least give you a little bit of nervousness right now? Well, of course it makes me a little bit nervous. We had one good defensive player, and he's not there right now. So a little nervous about that. But I will say the offense is going to be 10 times better than it was under Jack Del Rio. The offense is. Who's yes. going to be – what's your running game? Because when Marshawn Lynch came to the Raiders a year ago, that's, that's too soon, I thought man. he was going to be just like a situational third down back, and he became the feature back on the team. How did that happen? Well, I mean, he still only gets the ball maybe 15 times a game. It's not like he's a DeMarco Murray – 30 carries a game kind of guy. And they're going to. Anything Jordy Nelson is going to be an upgrade for Michael Crabtree? Oh, yeah. And I think Martavis Bryant's going to be a huge upgrade. Anything Amari Cooper is going to actually catch balls this year instead of drop them? I don't think it's physically possible for him to drop more passes <laughs> than he dropped last year. I was going to say. All right. So there you go. So you're predicting what? Nine wins this year? What do you think? Uh, I feel 10 and 6 is the 10 number. 10 and 6. Well, that's a playoff team. Yeah. You can hear Mr. Charger fan Nick laugh at you. Um, do you guys have a little side bet, Mr. Charger fan, Mr. Raider fan, on who's going to have more wins this year? We haven't worked out the terms, but it's coming. It's coming. It's yes. coming. All right. Nick, are you very confident that you'll be collecting at the end of that bet? <laughs> I'll give Robert whatever odds he wants. Wow. He's even going to give you odds wow. on top of that. All right, we got much more to get to on this big Hall of Fame Saturday from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next. Steve Harbin and Deb Carson. Hey, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I want to thank the crew today. Nick Mocking, ESPN's insider predicting a Ninth seed, 41-41 and 41 finish for the Lakers this season. Classic ESPN. Yeah. They're such West Coast haters. You know that. It's an East Coast operation. I mean, what St- happened? Steve, you said you got 50 for the Lakers this year, right? At least. I, I would say, well, I'm, I'm putting it this way. If they increase their win total by nine each of the last two years, from 17 to 26 to 35, I got to believe that adding LeBron is worth more than nine wins. So let's say you even get to 10 wins, all right? That's 46. I'm going to guess that he's worth 15 wins. Plus, Ingram was hurt a lot last year. Their depth has increased Well, you figure the young guys are going to get better. Exactly. And then you bring in the veterans that obviously have the experience. I don't know how they don't win at least 51. At least 51. I, I put the over-under at 50. Yeah, I got I like the 40, over. 50. Yeah. You go over 50? I think so. Really? Yeah. That That's, many? I think so. Well, I, th- the, the, I guess you have to look at the West. All right. we all Do we all agree here right now that both Golden State and Houston are better than the Lakers? Yes. Okay. So we're all on agreement on that. Then the question is, what about Utah? What about Portland? What about all these other teams? Now, they got Denver ahead of them. They got, I mean, what, where do you else San, they San Antonio? Where, San in, Antonio. The they got them ahead of them. I don't know. I mean, I I think they're neck and neck with San Antonio. Actually, the fact right that they now. don't even have them in the eight seed is such a joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it possible. Eight teams are going to. The key for the Lakers, though, as far as the playoffs are concerned, is to be at least three to six. You don't want to see Houston or Golden State in the opening round. Whether you got three or six, I don't even think home court's going to mean anything. 
Lakers to get past a round of the playoffs. And and that will be the biggest thing for the Lakers is how do the kids play in their first playoffs? It's one thing for veterans that have been there before. Look what Jordan Clarkson, how he struggled for Cleveland. No playoff experience with the Lakers. Suddenly he's with the Cavaliers on the big stage, and he looked like a guy forcing it. Like, uh. Yeah. You know. And, and Nance. So, and Nance, the same thing. So if you look at, you know, all the kids, how will they react if they get that first taste of the playoffs. So that is that. So anyway, Nick's still loyal to his Lakers. David Gascon is a phenom. Diversity is his middle name. Whatever he's asked to do, he delivers at the highest level. So I'm a yes man? You're not. You're a man. Well, a yes means is yes, I can do whatever you're asking me to do. I'm a five-tool player. Five-tool player. I like that. That's the way I, I try to – I always try to tell people in the industry, be versatile. Try to – you know, and if anyone asks you, can you? Yes. And I also think as an anchor at a major radio network, you have to know a little bit of everything, too. A little bit. At least. Yes. Although I would question some at other networks whether they know anything. <laughs> yeah. I can only speak for our And own. then there's Robert. Robert, I, I just showed you Hell that yeah. little clip of me side by side with Al Davis in 1988. Your impression. I couldn't tell if that was a young Steve Hartman or a Photoshop current Steve Hartman <laughs> yes. in an old video. If you didn't actually see me move into the shot. Yes, I did. I did. I did. I, you wanted your camera time. He kind of pushed forward. Even then, I realized <laughs> I need to be in front of the camera. So uh, great stuff for everybody out there. All right, Hall of Fame. Tony. Let me ask you this, Deb. If, if you were to fly to Canton and have a chance, who, who are some of the uh, people that you want to see their bust? Who, who would you zero oh, in on? Well, Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach. Troy Aikman. I'd, I'd like to see Brett Favre's. I mean, again, just some of the people who right? I enjoyed watching. How about Tom know, Landry? Oh, my gosh, of course. Tom Landry. Tom Landry was my very first ever mm. interview, ever, when really? I was a student at Baylor. I got to interview him at the Texas Football Hall of Fame when I was interning at the local affiliate there in Waco, Texas. I had one chance to meet him uh, in Thousand Oaks when the Cowboys used to train out there before I was on the air uh, working for a man named Bud Farilla. He knew Tom Landry well and Walked right into his office right there in wow. Thousand Oaks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I Bob mean, that, Lilly. That, that they goes go Bob with Lilly. Yes, exactly. All the Cowboys yeah. out there. You know, there's a lot of, if there is a team that is underrepresented, you know, we talk about, you know, Jerry Kramer just adding to the uh, Packers, and I, I have no problem with that, but there's several Cowboys from the 70s. Drew Pearson. Exactly. Where is he? Where's Cliff Harris? Well. Where is Chuck Howley? Even Too Tall Jones, Harvey Martin, Bob Lilly's there. Bob Lilly is there, but I, if I were to say three Cowboys that Charlie Waters. I think, no, now you reach it. <laughs> Cliff Harris, Drew Pearson, and Chuck Howley. Yeah. Are Hall of Famers. We'll see. I mean, the Seniors Committee, by the way, is going to meet at the end of this month uh, to select only one senior candidate this year. So we'll see if the Cowboys. Drew Pearson wasn't even in the Cowboys Ring of Honor until 2011. Well, how about the fact that they're just putting Jimmy Johnson in? And by the way, here's another guy that belongs in the Hall of Fame. How about Gil Brandt? Yes. What is it going to take for Gil Brandt to get in the Hall?
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play.